3: Welcome back to also. Hi, Jinxie. Hey, BL. How are you doing? I'm good, but the big question is, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I sound a little husky. I could be your AI, uh, <sighs> <laughs> Scarlett Johansson, um, a la her. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I was just about to get back into my first proper work week of the year, a day and a half beforehand, I was like, yeah, I'm ready. And then like a day before I was like, something feels off. I thought it was like classic Monday-itis. No, it was tonsillitis. And uh, I have been not – Not the best this week, shall we say? Weirdly, you weren't diagnosed with the Sunday
4: scare (laughs) instead tonsillitis. 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 Oh, I'm so sorry. It's fine. I'm here, aren't I? You're here. We're recording in the morning. We're recording a little later in the week, which... Also gives us the benefit of being like really up to date on a few things that have happened. Yeah, it's
3: true. I mean, we'll get to that. We will be talking about Salt Lake City Mm -hmm. this episode. Mm -hmm. Very glad to have seen it. Anyway, anyway, anyway. What else has been going on in your world? I'm
4: kind of like straight back into my usual. I kind of was in that holiday haze where I was like, I could just go to the pool. I can just read books and like watch a lot of movies. And now I'm like, oh, that's right. This is the reality of my life. Like interviewing a few pop stars, getting my nails done, screen time going through the roof,
3: the usual, you know, going to the movies a lot. You make it sound so casual though. Like you're not working pretty much 24 (laughs) seven. And I know the reality of It's like you are working so much yeah. all the time.
4: I was sending emails this morning and then I was like no one's replying. I realized it was 8:30 yeah. and I'd been at my desk for a while already.
3: Mm, yes.
4: <laughs> but it's okay. It's how I
3: like to it's how I like to do it. How you like to live? Yeah, it's how I like to live. Let her live. Um what have you been up to? I guess the highlight of my year so far was seeing Romy play last week. She was so great. Uh, I loved her album last year. It was really like the soundtrack to a lovely couple of weeks in London last Uh year for me. And I've just listened to it quite a lot since. And yeah, seeing her play, she played at Max Watts here and Friend of the Pod and guest star of our upcoming live episodes Stella Mosgawa supported her it was really just such a great fun show Into club I was in the club yeah I felt like I was back at fabric or something in <sighs> London it was yeah it was such a good time and she's really lovely and yeah she was great like it was just such a nice performance. she was really generous with the crowd and appeared to be having just a rip snorter of a night. What did you wear? <laughs> Do you did you wear a button up? I did wear a button up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a burner babe, it's fine. Um <laughs> I wore a button-up. That's funny. Um, I mean, what did you think I was just going in my one eight hundred lasagna sports bra? Well,
4: you texted me beforehand, being like, "I can't wear a sports bra. Just wear a sports bra to the club." And then I was like, "I wonder
3: what Jinxie will wear to this club show." Well, look, <laughs> I dusted off some like weird platform sandal sneaker situations. Oh yeah, from a few years ago that I had not worn, um, and so like that was my club attire I suppose (laughs) (laughs) I mean I wasn't going to an actual club no I I know I know I know but I mean it did feel like it the one thing that I was sad that I forgot I owned was um which is funny because I it's it was a gift from Romy that I wish I had worn to Romy but it's like a L word Gen Q promotional holographic bum bag (laughs)
4: Oh, jinx. That would have been good. Yeah, it really would have been. Oh, wow. Well. Um, I went to the movies on the weekend and saw Dream Scenario. Oh, yeah, how was? I haven't seen it yet. I really like I really rate it. Um, what's the guy's name? Chris Christopher Borgley, who made Sick of Myself. Um, his next movie, Dream Scenario, I was very curious about. I'd heard only bad things about it until Francis Ford Coppola's Instagram post, like, a couple of days ago. Oh, raving about the talents
3: of his nephew, Nicholas. Uh, I believe he said something like the work he does in dream scenario is like beyond any old uncle's praise or something like that.
4: (laughs) So cute. Um, But I saw a photo of Nicholas Cage, I think also at that W or maybe he was on the cover of W one of those Jürgen Teller photos. And um, he looks so like plastic and wooden that like, the amount that he emotes and expresses in dream scenario, I was like, you know what? He really did turn it out. Okay. He got that face moving. <laughs> it was really good. I mean, it was like, I've seen criticisms of it that are like, oh, we don't need a the straight man cancel culture movie. But I also think it's like kind of. It has a really interesting story to tell because it's about this guy who I didn't realize it was going to go into kind of like a canceled man, which is essentially what happens after he appears in people's dreams and starts hurting them and becomes like a negative viral sensation. (laughs) And like people around him, like lose opportunities and jobs and like safety and whatever respect as a result of their association with him. And I was like, do you know who this reminds me of? is that guy Ken Bone. Do you remember him hmm. from like a, a presidential debate? I forget what era of president it was, but he stood up and he. they were like, we're going to take questions from real Americans. And he was kind of this like, very portly guy in like a little red vest and had a little mustache. And he asked a question and his name was Ken Bone. And so everyone was like, this guy rocks. (laughs) And so he became like kind of an overnight viral sensation. People loved him. And then he did a Reddit, Ask Me Anything. Oh, no. And so people could click onto his Reddit Mm -hmm. profile and see what he had posted in the past. And it really stuck out to me that one of the things he posted was like, it was when all these Hollywood actors' nudes got leaked. (laughs) And he posted something about wanting to see Jennifer Lawrence's butthole.
3: Yeah, I do remember
4: this. And so I was like that's that's the guy like he he he, he was un- he was milkshake ducked apparently <laughs> but like I think Dream Scenario like deals with it in like a really funny kooky kind of surreal way Cool. Well yeah. I loved
3: sick of myself as you know, so I gotta see it yeah I am still catching up on the films. I have not been into the cinemas to protect the other cinema goers. And uh, so I still have not seen Wonka. I have mm. not seen Timmy sing those tunes, uh, but I did catch up on Bottoms and I was really disappointed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I just, I've got to say, I saw it at like a packed screening still. Mm. I, it's still packed, which is very That's cool. That's uh, And was in Carlton and it was like a, cheap night or something and Mm -hmm. it was totally full of young people who were like having the time of their lives like the person in front of us was just like continuously pointing to the screen the whole (laughs) film. (laughs) like as if to be like can you believe it <laughs> look at this thing <laughs> yeah it was like interesting experience uh-huh. um more interactive than i had imagined sure. but it was kind of nice to see so many people so into like younger than me yeah. maybe not as cynical as me um but yeah. i just yeah it didn't it didn't do it for me it didn't do it wasn't funny enough for me it was not funny enough yeah. and the yeah i mean i'm not going to like go through all of the plot holes or whatever, but it just sort of didn't bring it. Like it wasn't It didn't live up to its own conceit, I think. No, it didn't have it actually didn't have highs and lows. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean like obviously Io, our girl we fantastic. Love Golden
4: Globe Winner. Yeah. Yeah, all the parts were there, but I think that it was like assembled a bit wrong.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh speaking of Io Edabiri looked fab in her beautiful red Prada gown and um, Golden Globes. So perf. I didn't have much else to say about the Golden Globes. Like Natasha Leon looked great in Scaparelli, but what else have we got?
4: Oh, you don't want to do her tight 10 on Joe Coy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been done. Um, I finally watched the monologue yesterday because I was like, I don't need it to have an opinion on this, but I will. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, this guy, like, he, he couldn't even, like, let – forgetting the fact that the jokes were bad, which they were, mm. he couldn't even get a sentence out half the time. Really? Yeah. Like he was like stumbling over words and, oh. and so a lot of stuff wasn't landing, I think, cause you couldn't track where the punchline was supposed to be.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's what you love at an award ceremony. isn't Yeah. It? So like bad on so many
4: la- levels. I don't know. It just felt really forced and like deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. Um, there is one movie that I, I do want to do a tight ten on, and that's Mean Girls. Okay. Okay. I went to the press screening last night and, well, first of all, it was a Wednesday night and they said on the invite they wanted people to wear pink because on Wednesday they are pink. Mm-hmm. And I found that deeply cringe. And also coming so soon after Barbie, I was like, you need to have a different thing. Mm-hmm. Tell people to cut out their – singlets and show their bras through it or something oh that's a good idea but people wore pink including i will tell you off mic who it was but like a former reality show contestant who was like cancelled in recent years i learned because i pointed her out in front of us at the candy bar and my friend was like oh yeah she got cancelled and told me why and then i was like damn it really happens to everyone and she was like yeah everyone in the cinema is probably going to get cancelled eventually and i was like yeah you're right (laughs) kind of comforting in its own way. Um, but I literally went in and a small talk when I ran into people was like, this is going to be bad, right? Which, you know, is not a great attitude to have. So I was shocked to come out and give it four stars on Letterboxd.
3: Okay. I
4: really liked it.
3: So it is, let's be clear, it is let's the movie of the musical based on the film Mean Girls. See.
4: It's, it's a hairspray, if you will.
3: Right. And Tina Fey is still in it. That's the weird part. Playing the same character, but isn't the yes. mum, like, much younger or something? So Tina Fey and Tim
4: Meadows play their same characters they played in the 2004 original film. Mm-hmm. The weird bit is that Tina Fey is wearing the same costumes as she wore in the original. Like, it's that when I realized she was wearing the same spotty blouse in the, like, counseling bit at the end where they all like do trust falls i was like this is deeply strange mm. um but besides them everyone else has been recast who's the mum? jenna fisher or jenna oh sorry jenna fisher from the office plays katie's mum. busy phillips plays the amy poller yeah cool mom. that's who
3: i meant yeah and she's excellent You you love Girls 5 Ever, I don't, but her character- (laughs) I sure do love Girls (laughs) 5 Ever and have been revisiting the soundtrack in recent weeks.
4: Okay. Her performance in Mean Girls is like uh, what I think her Girls 5 Ever character could be, has the potential to be. It's really fun. She's wearing juicy sweats- and I it made me realize that like 20 years is the exact life cycle of a trend mm. to come back around to have a, a like hot mum wearing juicy sweatsuits. Um Renee Rapp, who plays Regina and who is a pop star, she originated the or she played the Regina George role in the musical on Broadway. Who did you watch Sex Lives with College Girls? No. Okay, it's good. I like it. Okay. Timmy Timmy's sister Pauline is in it. Um Renee Rapp is in that and I really like her in it, but she's like a musical girl. She's released an album and an EP. She's kind of like one of the new like pop girlies. She's also really queer and like lesbians love her. Okay. Like young, like the 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 people in the audience at your bottom screening <laughs> love screen. Renee Rapp. Okay. She's she reads as so deeply queer to me that watching her in Mean Girls, I was like I don't buy this. <laughs> I don't buy you as being, like, the nasty hetero mean girl ruling the school. Mm. Um, But she's good at singing, even if she sings in cursive, which makes it kind of, you know, that, like, like that kind of – there's a lot of that in Mean Girls, which makes it really hard to, like, get the jokes in the songs, and there are jokes in the songs. Um, Our Angori Rice, Australia's own Angori Rice.
3: What's she been in?
4: Mare of Easttown. Oh, yeah. Siobhan. Yeah. Siobhan. What's Boston? Siobhan. Siobhan. Yeah, she plays the Lindsay Lohan right. role, like mm. the lead, um, which is very exciting. And they've made some updates to the script to kind of like better fit politically or like, you know, instead of her being like, I'm from Africa, she's like, I'm from Kenya. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and like the other two plastics, the actors playing Karen Gretchen, I thought were incredible comedic stars, Um, there's a really exciting cameo. Everyone in my audience gasped. People were clapping and cheering quite a lot and I didn't like that. Um, but (laughs) sometimes when you see
3: Brody on patrol,
4: (laughs) sometimes I guess the thing with Mean Girls that's so weird is that in 2004, it came out in the movies. I was 14. I went and saw it and then it became like, like it's still memed currently, like, people still quote it and meme it and put quotes on cards and T-shirts and BuzzFeed quizzes and shit. And so it's very weird to have the memes and the quotes just reappear again in another new movie. Um, And so there was a lot of, like, "Oh, there's that thing again, like recognition and clapping and stuff that I was like, yeah, settle down. We all saw the movie. It's been out (laughs) for 20 years. Um, But... I liked it. I thought it was good. And there is a, yeah, there's one really big cameo in it. I'm not going to spoil it. Just on record, I'm not spoiling it, but the internet, I assume, is going to. Okay. Yeah. And I have a C also for original Mean Girls. Great. Which is that uh, the actor who played Kevin Napore, Kevin G., the rapping mathlete, mm-hmm. his name's Rajiv Surrenderer. And he now makes YouTube, he's a content creator, he makes YouTube videos about the creative and domestic arts. (laughs) And they're these very soothing, I feel like you might be into them, Jinxie. these very soothing videos about, like, how to wrap gifts, how to plant an orchid, how to, like, clean your floors, how to to make pom-poms, how to make an apron. Like, he's really just kind of this renaissance man. Okay, speaking of burn books, oh, <laughs> a little lady in Utah <laughs> came prepared to the Salt Lake City reunion with one
3: this week. Yeah, I was, like, thrilled to watch the re. I have not felt that way about a reunion episode yeah. of Housewives in so long. I put it in my calendar to make sure I <laughs> I wasn't out,
4: <laughs> Um yeah, the receipts, timeline, screenshots, mm-hmm. proof of Salt Lake City. Like last week's episode, the finale of season four of Salt Lake, I can't believe there are only four seasons in Jinxie.
3: Yeah. Should we just say maybe we could put a time code in to this episode of when we stop talking about Salt Lake City because yeah. we are going to talk poor things yeah, soon. Yeah, true. So if you are not a fan of this. the the housewives, but maybe want to hear about poor things, you can skip ahead because we will go deep.
4: But I am just going to say, you know, who loves the real housewives of Salt Lake City? Emma Stone. She does. So get on board or like get out, but you can also get out and skip ahead. Just look at the show notes. Um, Okay. So reality Vontis is a word I had never, a phrase I had never heard
3: Before, until a week ago.
4: And now I think, I'm going to estimate I've heard it 789 times.
3: The same amount of times that Lisa said her ring cost (laughs) $60,000.
4: It was sentimental. Oh my God, the fake tans on the reunion. Yeah. We've just got to say, their laundry, they just must burn those couches after the women get up. They (laughs) would be... I can't even. I can't even pick a thing in the room that is the shade of brown that those couches would be. Those women are slick with a fresh spray tan, top to
3: toe. Oh, it just brings me back to Real Housewives of New Zealand when yeah. they went on holidays to Cairns or something, and I cannot remember her name. She was referred to as the big unit on the show. I can't <laughs> remember her name. I'm so sorry, New Zealand's Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right and she was wearing a white swimsuit and just like the leg holes of that swimsuit were just covered in brown (laughs) goo and it looked so disgusting but it was just her fake tan and she was like what it's just my fake I can't can you do a New Zealand accent what it's just my fake tan (laughs) tan tan anyway her uh, brown leg holes yes
4: (laughs) um okay so I think Dita Von a should
3: sue um, what? But, but there have been a lot of lawsuits floating in and Why out of... Why should Dita Von Teese... Dita Von Teese. Oh, Dita Von Teese. Yeah. Re- oh, right. I thought you were saying reality.
4: It took oh. me It took me so long to realize that it was a play on Dita Von Teese. Which is so stupid. Because she had her, like, rockabilly, like, baby bangs in the profile yeah. photo. It was supposed to be this, like, uh, smoking a cigar with a long cigarette holder <laughs> kind <laughs> of energy.
3: Americans, apologies to our listeners, they think they are so good at coming up with like punny names for drag queens like fuck they're like RuPaul's drag queens like they are just like the names are just like really really stretched and this is just the worst and like you know that Monica thinks she's having some big drag queen moment yeah she already had one this season but yeah, it's like it's not funny and it's not clever. Yeah, yeah. Reality not... von Tees, like stop. And also the tone
4: of the account by all accounts is very, um, it's very like we're going to bring this fucker down. We're going to bring this show down. We're going to bring these women down. We're going to bring this franchise down. And that's not the kind of like I follow a lot of Bravo accounts, but I don't think I follow any that are like, deeply hateful of the shows that they're covering or the people on them. Like I, I love a little like exposed tax situation as much as anyone, (laughs) but like, I think for the most part you're either watching like a fan or you're watching like someone who kind of has critical takes or like meme kind of things. But the idea of following an account that's just trying to like expose and like destroy the cast of a reality show is like, it, is re- it, it just shows how much of a small town Salt Lake City is because this is so Facebook group behaviour, like m- local mummies Facebook group or something.
3: Yeah, or one of those, like, community area, yes. you know, and, like, I do follow <laughs> it's a, good a cal- few. It's the
4: Salt Lake City Good Karma Network. Yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But this is the second Finster-related storyline on Salt Lake City. Oh, Angie H. Yeah, remember, the reason we have Angie K is The reason Angie K is Angie K is because there used to be Angie H.
3: And we thought she was going to be good at the beginning. She kind
4: of. She was a good time. She kind of slayed it. Her husband made a finster to like talk shit about the other women. (laughs) Which is so stupid. Which is crazy husband behaviour. Which
3: is crazy husband behaviour. I also like I don't follow it. Like I watch, as you know, BL, a lot of housewives. I don't follow a single housewife or a single housewife account except for Jenna Lyons. She's the only one I have continued to follow. Congratulations on your engagement, Jenna. <sighs> yeah, congratulations. Your New, York, your New Year's Eve looked lovely. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I don't follow any of these. I read like recaps and stuff. I don't listen to any other podcast devoted mm. to it. Like I'm pretty much just like in and out with the housewives. Interesting. So the idea that there is this – account like reality von Tees, and someone like you who does follow a lot of that haven't you haven't even heard of it before is so interesting and funny to me it's like what da- like what damage was actually done by her like clearly yeah. it was like a lot of personal psychological damage to all the women on the show by the mm. way that they reacted to the news but yeah like how big like it's is it is it that kind of like yeah big fish small frozen over pond. I don't know.
4: I hope small pond you go ice fishing in. I hope they get into this on the next installments of the reunion. Like just what damage she did to the other women on this account, because by the looks of it, she was referring to Jen Shah as Jen blah. And so I'm like, (laughs) you're not even funny. It's
3: not even funny. Um,
4: But Andy did some really good lawyering Mm -hmm. because in the first part of the reunion, he did have a a big moment where Monica was talking about how much it hurts when you have people commenting on Mm your life on social media. And like, I went through this and like slept with my brother-in-law and then all these people, the comments are a different thing. And Whitney was like, yeah, it's really different when it's the comments on social media. And I could just see Andy's little like, Okay, we got that on the record that she yeah. thinks social and media comments are
3: really hurtful. Yeah, and then Heather dropped in too. Like she rounded that up as well. Yeah. Well, Heather's got her producing hat on. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Season. But can we go back to the actual finale episode? Yeah. It was the best hour of television I have seen in so long. Yeah, like of a reality show. It was no, no, actually, no, no just style. television. Yeah, it, it was, should have
4: been. They should have been at the Golden Globes.
3: It should have been. It should have been one of those like special episodes of a show. You know, like the get, Emmys, how they have those like special episodes. Yeah, or
4: get Whitney presenting like Best Ensemble to Succession.
3: <laughs> that Ken, would have been Kendall's a deal. on his
4: healing journey.
3: Yeah! 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 <laughs> Uh, it was just so great. Like I, I loved every second of it, but I haven't, I haven't told you this, but okay. I know that there's probably too much top chef talk on the pod, but dog, not show dog, not show. Uh, he truly showed his like empath tendencies (laughs) while Zoe and I were watching this because we were gasping. So much, and like, had our hands like over our mouths. <laughs> he was going. Crazy, like he was beside himself. He was so worried that like we were having some kind of. He was service dogging you. Yeah, he totally was the first time in his life, and he was like jumping up and like pouring at us to make sure that we were okay. Like he was genuinely very concerned that we were having some kind of deep emotional shared breakdown. You were in distress. Yeah, he. I've never seen anything like it. It was so funny and then we were like soothing the dog to be like no it's fine we're just watching reality tv don't you understand what's happening top chef mummies are okay (laughs) yeah mummies are okay anyway it was really funny i've never seen that behavior come out before wow it was
4: it was amazing the plotting of that episode really heightened the stakes too like the One hour later, eight hours before, four hours later, rewind, (laughs) women on the beach, windblown, like, Whitney in, like, her bandage dress, Meredith's hair all over her face, like, (laughs) and also, like, Heather just, like, teasing out the information to all of the women Mm. who are, like, hooked, and Lisa... (laughs) Lisa Barlow trying to follow and narrate every step of the way, where Heather was like, I knew that something was wrong. And we've been through so much together, the four of us. And then Lisa goes, Stop, Heather! You're gonna cry.
3: Not I'm gonna cry. <laughs> you're, gonna no, cry. No, you're gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, it's like it kept it made me keep thinking of Lisa Rena going like, "Oh, you're so angry. You're yeah. so angry. You're so angry." Lisa's just
4: so funny without Lisa Barlow. is just so funny without even trying. Like Heather stands up and says, "We were right or fucking die for Jen," and I was like, <laughs> "Speak for yourself." Yeah, see well. and then when she's like, "I went on book tour and didn't tell anyone that she gave me up." Black eye, and everyone's like, <gasps> and then you just hear Lisa Barlow go,
3: "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> I actually think Lisa Barlow is my favorite. She is mine now. Yeah, she's unfortunately she's the best. She has the best style.
4: She's she's always the best dressed. She knows it too. Yeah, she does. Um, what, she doesn't know much else. <laughs> she doesn't know much else. So the thing about um the thing about when you said you know you're curious what reality Vontee's did to the other women. There, there is one Bravo podcast that I listen to here and there. It's called The Bravo Docket and it's two Housewives fans who are also lawyers and they go through like, so like Erica Jane, Jen Shah, like all the legality storylines. All our faves. It's so good. But they did a special episode about Reality Von Tees because they had interacted with the account when it was, like, really active because they had posted – they had released episodes of their podcast about Jen, which Reality Von Tees was, like, screenshotting and, like, screen recording and sharing. And they had all this back and forth. And they said once they got on to kind of the same page and had engaged a little bit, their DMs would just blow up with tags – and so Reality Von would just tag a zillion accounts on every story or post that they did. And so maybe it was that kind of like, I'm not going to say harassment, but like pestering. So like you can imagine these Utah housewives, their DMs just blowing up with these Bravo quote unquote fan accounts called Reality Von Or I think there are a couple of them with the same name. Um, and it felt like niggling them or pestering them mm. or like attacking them just because there were like all these mentions. Anyway, that's just something that I'm thinking about as we're going into parts two and three of the reunion.
3: Yeah. I'll be so, I'm so interested in what she has to say for herself. Mm-hmm. Also in the first she's, part. She's not serving so far. The first she, part, yeah. she's so
4: defensive.
3: She's so defensive. And, and it's so funny cause it's like, we were, I won't speak for you. I was with her for like a yeah. large part of the series. Cause it's like, she is really the first person to come in and be like, I cannot afford a bag. I cannot like afford really to raise my kids in the way I want to. And like, she's really struggling financially and emotionally. And she's got like an abusive mom. And then you see kind of, I don't know, like the cycle of abuse there with Mm -hmm. like how she is becoming her mom. Mm -hmm. And anyway, but like you're kind of with her, And she is pointing out like all the stupidities of the cast and you're like, yeah, audience audience proxy. Absolutely. She's like the Greek chorus until she's not. That's That's Angie Angie (laughs) Kay.
4: She'd be so mad if you said someone else was Greek in that town.
3: I do wonder what the Greek, if there is a Greek community in Salt Lake City and what they think of Angie Kay's like constant like I am the only Greek. I. It's the really Greek in the village.
4: Yeah. I mean, we know her dad, her gorgeous dad. Um, but I remember, like, episode one of this season, I was like, "Is Angie being Greek and Meredith loving baths going to be their plotline the entire season?" Mm-hmm. It turns out, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it sure is.
3: Uh, where was I?
4: You like Monica Greek
3: chorus? Yes, but Monica immediately undid all of the good she had set up in like the like the you know ongoing season when she lied about two stupid things in the reunion episode Mm -hmm. that are so easily traceable and like you know she claimed she'd said one thing and immediately Heather's like you know fell into Heather's trap and Heather's got the voice memo Mm -hmm. to prove actually what she said and then she tried to double down and then that whole thing of like how she came to be on the show and yeah. she was like i said you don't have like your ratings ratings. suck, your show's shit your cast sucks and i loved andy's face during all of that of course But then, like, her actual email was so benign. It was like, you need a hot Latina chick, basically, (laughs) an excommunicated Latina. Did you also see the timestamp? was, like, 11.30 p.m. Oh, God. That's, like, after a couple of white claws Uh for sure. But, yeah, look, I don't know. Like, a few weeks ago or months ago we were talking about is this show, like, I was saying, positing that maybe this show has gone too far in showing, like, Heather – pissing herself, vomiting at the same time in a sprinter van. Like, do we really need to see this? Like that was just all like, I don't know. Preamble. Like, it was just, yeah. Yeah. No, this is the most important show on television actually. We haven't even seen <laughs> Mary Cosby in weeks. I don't need think to about see Mary that. Cosby.
4: Um, I do
3: not need to see her.
4: Yeah, I agree. I think Monica had such potential and especially after that finale, I didn't even think that that. Was potentially her last time on the show. I thought that there was a world in which she would come back. A lot of the women would say, "We're not going to film with her," but she would find allies, or they would cast new people, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's friends with like Dana, that woman from last season. But like the the Salt Lake City women. <laughs> what you meant
3: was is that the same name as the woman who's like uh, 25,000 twenty five thousand twenty five thousand from Beverly Hills? <laughs> Hills. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think about. I still think about money in those terms.
4: My sister got a fancy pair of sunglasses recently, and every time she wears them, we go 25000 <laughs> um, She, So Monica, she's been such a raw nerve this season, and it's been equal parts great and tough to watch because you're right. Like all the stuff with her mom is really tricky. I feel real empathy for her kids. Mm, yeah, me too. Her four kids, and even when she went on this trip to Bermuda and she like FaceTimed her eldest daughter who was just like – that's great, mom. I'm r- I'm really happy for you. But she's like, fully
3: parenting her mom. Yes,
4: and like your grandma's here. Lock the doors. Don't go outside. Like there's a real strain on those kids, which I really feel for. Um, but she, her tendency all season, it's almost like she wanted to get caught or suspected in a way because she was like holding information
3: I over she did. everyone. Yeah, I fully think that this was like pretty much the plan of it. Yeah, uh, like I, I. It seems very convenient that Heather's hairdresser, hairstylist Mm. is suddenly going to give her the name, like right at the end of the the shoot. Like that is not, yeah, like that is so set up. I don't think by Mm. the producers, but I think that that, yeah, I just think that there is something amiss there. Mm. Maybe not, I don't know, but it just seemed like she knew she was, like one and done basically mm. with this season. Like I don't think she could hope to shoot a second season, Monica, because I, I cannot imagine any of the other women would ever be on the show with her again. But see, that's what I was
4: saying. I think she potentially could have if she hadn't blown it up so spectacularly, especially in this reunion. I think the reunion's going to be her downfall because she's already like after that finale, it was such an iconic episode, and she was such a central part in it that I think she potentially could have been a deeply iconic housewife, but instead she's gone into the reunion. She's already lying. She's got this real attitude in her voice, and she's not being iconic. And she, she didn't realize she didn't play it right. I don't mm, think. No, she no,
3: she has let she's let herself down. I know. I'm that, not mad. I'm just disappointed, I'm not Monica. Mad I'm
4: just disappointed. I have a see also, uh, which is the podcast "The Deep Dive" with Jamie Stein, who, like Top Chef, is a Housewives empath, and he's an intuitive, and he does a lot of episodes of house of his podcast. Sorry, where he talks about different Bravo shows, and he like drops into their emotional state or like the wounds that are the truth of like the argument. So he did a lot on the Richard sisters before this season where they're doing a lot of the honest, like Kyle's getting really therapized and honest about her relationship with Kathy. Um, But yeah, he did a, he did an episode before the Salt Lake City finale came out all about Monica's wounds and her kind of like, commitment to her trauma and like hmm. watching that play out on, on TV. And so I'm going to link that in the show notes as well as the Bravo docket.
3: Oh, great. And I, it's not a C also, but can I just say quickly, I am all loving Kim being back on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Kim Richards, just stay forever. She's doing better than she's ever, ever been on TV. Her murals, the way she's painting on her walls, it just brings me back to, When we found out that she loves iguanas, that woman is a pure heart. I love her.
0: We love Kim. We're rooting for Kim.
3: We're rooting for Kim.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: Derm. dot com.
4: Boys.
3: I'm glad you brought up Emma Stone before, BL, because, like, what you were referring to was when she was asked on the red carpet, I think, mm-hmm. of, like, if Yorgos Lanthimos was going to make a film about a real housewife, she immediately said Jen Shah. Of course. And what a story that would be. Yorgos does the shah amazing Oh, I... Can you imagine gossips take on uh, what's his? What's her husband's name? Coach Coach Shah's like crazy pep talks. Oh my god! <laughs> can you imagine? I can imagine like the like suddenly we're going to fish eye. We are deep within it. The color is changing. <laughs> the fish eyes on on a Coach Shah pep talk. I can't and, and like his kind of basketball outfit is just like slightly <laughs> off kilter <laughs> I, big oh shoulders god it would be so good although like when you see Jen Shah working on the like working on her laptop to essentially steal money from like the elderly and frail like the computers that she's using are like haven't been invented yet or something yeah. that's what I'm seeing <laughs> I'm loving it. I think you need to come on board as a consultant for Yorks. (laughs) Lanthimos, give me a call. Yorgi. So Poor Things is a film that came out too late in Mm. Australia like everything else. But uh, it came out on Boxing Day. I finally caught up to it uh, last week. BL, you'd already seen it. Did you love? I really liked it. I liked it a lot more than I expected to because I'm
4: going to be honest, I thought the posters for Poor Things were incredible and had been around for months because the release date was pushed back so far. But when I saw the trailer, I was like, I'm not going to like this. I thought the, like I was turned off by the dialogue and the like, I must punch that baby. I was like, that's not funny to me. Like it felt a little, I don't know. I was nervous. I was nervous going into it. I did not expect to like it similar to Mean Girls, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I had a really fun time. Like the, the comedy of it, I thought was really strong visually none of it is my taste, but I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was like having deja vu for like a children's book or game or something from when I was really young. Um and I mean the performances were all like wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It was really a really gorgeous way to spend. I don't even know how long it went for. I was just like strapped in for the ride. Two plus. Oh. Yeah. As as everything is. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, what about you? yeah i loved it i adored it uh i have been uh ignoring reviews from this since it premiered at venice Mm -hmm. i went to venice Mm -hmm. uh last year but it got there too late to see the film and i wasn't locked out of the cinema like it premiered the dates before i was at the festival they didn't yeah uh keep me out but (laughs) can you imagine anyway i would have been so mad but (laughs) Look, uh, yeah, I have not read a single review. It premiered on like the 2nd of September last year and I just went into like Yorgos Black Hole uh-huh. essentially because I was did not want to hear about it and have like had to turn off every single podcast that I normally listen to as soon as they mention the words. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, nope.
2: uh-huh.
3: Uh So f- glad to have finally seen it. I, like you, obviously loved the posters. The posters were brilliant. I didn't mind the trailer, but it did set up a few things that I was like, like you, a bit nervous about. And there are so many things in this film that I are particular bugbears of mine. Uh, name them. Uh, name them. Uh, steampunk. Yep. Um, fisheye. The fisheye and adults acting like children. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I really hate watching adults act as babies or children the same and that's the, that's the plot
4: that so it's like a real fundamental thing you overcame to enjoy this
3: movie <laughs> pretty much but you know in I I mean I really love his films I'm sure you do too I mm-hmm. remember the first time I saw Dogtooth mm. that was um of course that was the first of his films I saw because it was his first film but first feature but I, uh, just kind of walked, I was, had a couple of hours to kill. I went into the IFC and saw the first thing and I think I liked the poster yeah. and I like floored me. I thought it was yeah. astounding. Me too. And that, this film is actually the closest thing I've seen of his two dog tooth mm. that we've had, mm. uh, like more than more recent ones, like favorite and lobster, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just thought it was just quite brilliant. Um, I loved the progression of the character of Bella um, of being like so because obviously she's a baby, but she's got a baby brain, but it's accelerating at a rapid speed. Yeah. so you're not stuck in she's not stuck in baby life. She's like Robin
4: long. Williams in
3: Francis Ford Coppola's greatest film Jack. Jack, which I I need to rewatch. She's aging seven years at a time. <laughs> I need to rewatch that. Do you know I never saw Benjamin Button? Because I was like, I can't deal with the eventual baby. <laughs> yeah. You know ev- it's coming. The eventual baby is the trickiest bit of Benjamin <laughs> Button. <laughs> I'm just like I can't do it because I spend the whole movie just like waiting for the baby to come in. I can't do it. Is that that is the film, right? Yeah, I only saw it the one
4: time, but yeah, it ends <laughs> it ends at baby.
3: Yeah, see, this at least starts at baby and progresses. I can handle that. Yeah, <laughs> can only get better. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I really loved the kind of progression of Bella. Um, how she became like self knowing. Mm. Um, and that she started like seeking so much pleasure once she realized what pleasure was and, and like her own sexuality, but also that, that then led to education. Yes. And And like educating herself and realizing that there was so much more to the world. And particularly that scene where she, and like full spoilers, but when she goes to Alexandria and she sees the like huddled masses Mm -hmm. and people with no food and, like that situation is explained to her like the actual evils of the world and Mm. like the lack of generosity and the lack of sharing between humans and Mm. like not being able to lift people up and that her go-to is, well, I'll just give them (laughs) Mark Ruffalo's money Mm. and like that will fix it is like also such a kind of brilliant thing to put into this film because it's like that is how you feel as a teenager or Mm -hmm. however old you are when you kind of go, Oh, my God, mom and dad. There are resources like, here. Why aren't they there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Like, have you heard that this war is happening? You know, yeah. like that kind of – and your parents like, yeah, babe. That's why we sponsor World Vision children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I thought that was – I just really loved that scene so much. But yeah. also how it's like in – just like Monica, there are so many parallels to Real Housewives of Salt Lake City here <laughs> of – The, like, cycle of cruelty and, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. like, the cycle of abuse of how you see her, like, God, like, Willem Dafoe's character and people coming for his Scottish accent. Like, it's a fantasy land. Let it go. Every member of the cast is American other than
4: (laughs) him. Like, Mark Ruffalo's accent is a whole nother journey. It
3: is. It is. It's fine. Um, But... Where was I? Like, oh, that his like he, the way he is is because his the way his father was with him, and he thinks that he's doing a better version of what mm. you know. He's very different, and then Bella also falls into what her what God was doing. It's by the end of the film, like mm. it's. I don't know. I just thought it was, mm. and people are complaining that the ending is a little too neat, but I enjoyed that yeah me
4: too i think that there have been some criticisms of this like the feminist criticisms of this i think focus too much on the her like sexual awakening and sexual journey and like freedom through sexuality and eventually like becoming a sex worker and earning her own money but i think they ignore the thing that you just talked about very conveniently. conveniently ignore it i should say um the idea that she like Makes these int- intellectual discoveries and empathetic, emotional discoveries as well, and kind of like forms her own worldview and kind of uh, morality of from her own making and experience, like on the boat and in all these different communities and in the brothel that she works in. Um, yeah, there specifically was like a piece in Vulture by Angelica Jade Bastion, who I, I quite like as a critic, but. The idea that um, one of the quotes from it, she said, there's a corroded spirit to the story. Like it's intermittently possessed by an edgelord who's unaware most women menstruate and an early wave white feminist who believes having sex is the most empowering thing a woman can do. And I just found that this, (laughs) this it's like, did you only watch the scenes where she was like discovering her sexuality? Because this film had so much to say about Women's place in the world and also like into like her intellectual journey was like fundamental and worked hand in hand with her sexual journey as well. Like the fact that she learned about sex through Mark Ruffalo's character, Duncan, who has this like free love spirit which the cracks appear, obviously, when the woman he's wanting to have free love with decides she wants it for herself. And yeah. then he completely falls apart. Yeah. Like, this film has so much more to say about, like, the way that men view women and especially – don't even get me started on the how many people desire a, like – Grown woman's body with a baby's brain. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I found that I found that review really frustrating.
3: Yeah, I think that there were a few gross misreadings of the film in that way. That it's like uh, this is a movie about a woman's pleasure, and it's like I don't think it is actually. Like it's, I don't like it's a. it's very much about like the men surrounding her Mm -hmm. and the ideas that they are placing on her. And like you say, Mm -hmm. like objectifying her as a woman with a baby brain and then like not being able to deal with like any sense of agency. Um, And also that like, she like, she starts out as like a woman who cannot like, as we get find out by the end of the film that she was in this like, horrific marriage mm. um she hated her husband he was a sadistic man and she was pregnant with his child and then decided to end her life mm. and then she was like ripped out of that by Willem defoe's character so it's like the one thing that that woman had done for, for herself not you know um was corrupted by a man and then yeah. she her body was like yeah like the whole thing is very much about like a, a woman's place in the in like a man's world um mm. and the objectification and exotification but also it is about this woman who is educating herself beyond her kind of quote unquote means mm-hmm. or like educational means mm. like, yeah I don't know I just I think there's so much to it it's such an interesting story and there's not like one I just said it was a gross misreading but like there's not like a right or wrong with this or with anything really. Yeah. Oh, a few things.
4: And I mean, I guess, you know, critics are always going to come to a film with whatever. They're going to take what they want to take from it. I
3: just, I just think we're right, you know? Sure, I think we're right too. Yeah, there was a really annoying um, headline in the AFR of this film and the headline of the re- whole review was this film will polarise viewers, some will walk out it's like oh my god okay
4: that could be about bottoms or fucking wonka
3: (laughs) it's totally good mean girls even anyway just that kind of thing it's just it's so irritating to me you know how you hate movies that sometimes you don't like like
4: (laughs) this film will polarize viewers
3: okay you might not like it um but yeah and like Emma Stone, obviously so like a great performance and (laughs) Like I kept thinking of like the certain scenes, like when she is like discovering her sexuality and she's still kind of baby brain, like how the other actors in that room <laughs> would have been feeling or watching, like mm. watching her do that. Mm. It would have been a funny set to be on. I was listening to the Her and
4: Yorgos on the IndieWire podcast, and um They, they had a, they had a really tiny set. Like she was saying that they, they did all their own. They didn't have stand-ins for anything. So she was like on set every single moment. Um, and she and Yogi, like I, they've already shot another movie together.
3: Oh, I love that. I didn't know.
4: With, um, with Willem Dafoe, with Margaret Qualley in New Orleans. He was like, yeah, we're trying to edit that while we're doing press for poor things. Um, I completely forgot until he said that in this interview that Margaret Qualley was even in this movie. I completely <laughs> forgot her getting like bonked in the head with a basketball. Um, but I also, after seeing this movie, Emily and I went to see it together. And then afterwards we were on IMDb because we were like, when did Emma Stone go from like super bad, easy A, Emma Stone to like your goss, cool girl, the favorite, etc. And the turn was really La La Land which was so recent. She hasn't really done that many movies when you, when you look at it, but I mean, she has, but you know, like of, of these like award contender movies, it was like La La Land battle of the sexes. Oh yeah. And then it was like the favorite, like cool girl, Emma Stone. And now she's in the curse. Like she's, she's obviously doing all this kind of very highbrow artistic work, which is really interesting.
3: Yeah, she she's in so many films that I've never heard of. I was just looking <laughs> yeah. at her filmography. You know a Zombieland girl Jinxie. I've seen Zombieland. What about the um, sequel? Apparently there was a sequel I didn't know about. Apparently she's a voice actress in The Croods 2, but I haven't seen that. Your favorite. My fave. Um I really loved the rest of the casting of it though. There were so many good cameos or like just not cameos, they're just it's just good casting. Like Vicky Pepperdine, like who really great that? uh vicky Pepperdine is like a I think she's british um comedian actor who works a lot with julia davis uh, another great comedian they had a very good podcast together i'll try to find okay it, um for you but also i will fuck this name up hannah shagula Okay. Shigula. I don't know. Uh, she plays the woman on the boat. Oh, the, like, dowager? Yeah, she is was one of uh, Fassbender's biggest amusers. Oh. And she was in, like, a lot of his films. Okay. Probably most famous for The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. And she was most recently in the um, – Peter Von Kant film that came out a couple of years ago. But yeah, I loved seeing her in it. Like Mm. just all these like clever little surprises. I loved. Mm. Um, Mark Ruffalo. I mean, he was (sighs) the role of his lifetime, right? Like it's perfect casting. Yeah. Perfection. Um,
4: Catherine Hunter, whose name I didn't know who plays the madam uh, in France and just like her physicality and like covered in those tattoos she's so tiny i think she's a contortionist which checks out
3: yeah checks out yeah
4: um i loved the fleshiness of this movie like the costumes mm. the apparently the the audio kind of like the score for the boat was like a human heartbeat All like right. they tried to build in this kind of like carnality to like all elements of it, not just like Will- Willem Dafoe's face.
3: Yeah, yeah, cool. Mm. I had no idea. Yeah, the um the costumes are just brilliant. One of the things mm. I'm going to link to is, well, I've got two really good, uh, there's so many pieces out there on the costuming of this film, but my favourite two uh We've got Emma Stone interviewing the costume designer, Holly Waddington, Mm. in Interview Magazine. And she talks about, like, her favorite pieces to wear and how it made her feel as the character and Mm. really interesting. And there was a good Vogue UK article called Condom Coats, Vagina Blouses and Ruffles Galore, (laughs) um, which really goes into, like, the little names that, uh, Holly Waddington had for the pieces on set Mm. and I loved that that coat that she wears when she's working in the brothel and the first time she has sex in the brothel she's still wearing the coat and it's sort of designed to look like a giant condom it's like it's funny. It's so good. It's just good. funny. It's that's the thing. Also, this film is really funny. Yes, like the, really
4: funny. And the visual gags are like very sweet as well. Like the kind of Hieronymus Boschy like world <laughs> that they've created in the middle of what we assume to be London. Like you know, a horse-drawn carriage with the horse has no front legs, and uh, you know, like a little chicken dog hybrid <laughs> rolling around. It's very like garden of like spooky delights.
3: Yeah, it's just, it's quite silly. The yeah. thing like. Like seeing those hybrid
4: animals, it's just, it's so silly. It was like The Favourite where she and um, uh, Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriend were like punching each other in the forest.
3: Like that was yeah. really fun. It's just fun. It's yeah. so silly. Um, it kind of reminded me, the ship scenes in particular, reminded me of um, the film City of Lost Children from 1995, the Carolyn and Janae film that is like set at sea and Jean-Paul Gaultier did all of the costuming for that film but yeah that kind of like fantasy world like this very dark fantasy Mm -hmm. anyway yeah I enjoyed
4: the nine month cruise on TikTok could do with a lot more kind of like (laughs) chic costumes I'll tell you what
3: I'll tell you what I hope someone's getting educated on that
4: (laughs) fucking cruise we've got to um I just want to point out that we're really in our sexy Frankenstein (laughs) era
3: we are aren't we Uh,
4: Jacob Elordi is going to play Frankenstein's monster in the new Guillermo del Toro horror i'm convinced that andrew garfield dropped out because he couldn't do what emma stone his ex-girlfriend did he was like it's too much we can't be we can't talk about each other in every interview
3: yeah i, I agree yeah and obviously jacob lordy's got the hype for frankenstein he's it's like kind of perfect have
4: his face all fucked up for once
3: is it this is it Gives like me a, a bit sp- of relief <laughs> is it like a What is this Frankenstein? All I saw was the casting. Jinxie, you know all I saw was the casting
4: (laughs) and his jawline. (laughs) What we care about. Headline, jawline, the two lines I care about. Um, I also have a C also for myself, which is to finally fucking watch Rami, you stupid bitch, Brody, because I never did. And like Rami Yusuf is like so gorge in this movie.
3: Yeah, he's a really good character, really interesting character. Yeah. Yeah, I never saw it either. I shall do. All right,
4: let's add it to both our lists. All right, Jinxie, it's time for Also Also's. What's your first recommendation this week?
3: My first one is Short and Sweet BL. We don't need to be talking about it too long because it's a film that we have discussed at length on this podcast before. It's Kelly Reichardt's Showing Up. It stars Michelle Williams, Hong Chow, John McGarrett, and my favorite flute player, Andre 3000. <laughs> but if you missed it at the festivals in Australia uh, last year, there is a season starting in Sydney at Golden Age Cinema uh, from Friday 19th of Jan. I think it will be quite a limited run of the film, so you need to book in for your tickets quick, smart. And it is such a beautiful film, top three from last year for me, and, yeah, do not miss seeing this in a cinema. Yeah, Alp, if you want to
4: hear us talk more about it, over on Patreon it was, spoiler alert, in our top tens of uh 2023 so you can listen to that if you are a member of the hog hive on patreon my first also also is for your local farmer's market that's it specifically if you live in victoria after all of the like very intense weather we've been having lately and uh quite a long break over the holidays for between farmer's markets there's like a surplus of stuff and also like in inclement weather farmers do it tougher than anyone. So if you are able and you have a farmer's market nearby, like do your grocery shopping there this weekend. Um, I'm going to be at the Abbotsford Convent farmer's market on Saturday morning. And if you're in Melbourne, come say hi, don't. (laughs) Um, I, and the Melbourne farmer's markets has like, I think four or five every single weekend, Saturdays and Sunday
3: mornings. So like there are a bunch all over Melbourne. Cute. My next one is a podcast episode, a particular episode. It's called Tired, Distracted, Burned Out. I mean, Uh, it's the latest episode of Ezra Klein's New York Times podcast, which I listen to periodically. I do not listen to this podcast every single week, but I found this one quite pertinent for this time of year when we're kind of back at work trying so hard to – stay focused. Uh but yeah, look, this one looks at attention span and he brings on an attention span analyst. I don't know who she is, uh who talks about like all of these studies that she has been she doing. Is. I got distracted. <laughs> well, the thing is I had to do that little 10 seconds rewind so many times listening to this podcast cuz I did get distracted, <laughs> but I did get through it and you can also just read the transcript online. <laughs> <laughs> if you find it hard. But look, I found this very interesting. It was very much talking about how our attention, we all know our attention spans have changed over time, but this was looking at real data of how just how much that has changed. I think it was like 20 years ago or something, some study was done and it was people had the attention span to look at a screen or look at one window essentially for two and a half minutes. But in 2023, that was down to 48 seconds. And as Ezra Klein points out, I can't believe anyone has the attention span to look at something for 48 seconds. But it, it really is looking at that in the way that you can sort of change your attention span and like how best, like practical ways to go about that. Mm. Interesting.
4: I found that this week I went to the dentist and they put, I did got my teeth clean and they put like the fluoride gel stuff in and I had to hold it for two minutes and I was like, I've been here for 10 minutes at least. Like this is the longest two minutes of my life. Mm. Yeah. 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 Me brain's fucked. Um, My (laughs) next recommendation (laughs) is for a show that you introduced me to Jinxie. It was one of your also also probably like two years ago. Um, Julia. On binge. Season two is out in fall. It goes into Julia Child and Paul Child's spy stuff, which is very fun. They spend a lot of time in France at the start of the season. So we get a lot of Isabella Rossellini being like a very jealous friend, which is fun. But the star of the season for me is Judith Light. Uh, who is going blind and as a book publisher is trying to hide it from everyone lashing out um, and eventually making me fucking cry in every single scene that she's in. Oh, Judy. It's so good. Judy. It's on binge in Australia.
3: Yeah, I need to catch up with that. I only saw the first season and I only really started watching it because Melanie Mayron. And- our from Girlfriends directs it. So I knew that they were filming in France because I follow her on Instagram.
4: Oh, my God, Jinxie! I didn't realize until she posted it this week, Melanie Maron on Instagram. She's a great follow. She directed the Babysitter's Club movie. I didn't realize that either. Which is like a fundamental to my childhood. But the sad reason I learned it is that one of the actors in it died recently. The guy who plays the teenage boyfriend of Dawn and she like hangs out with him. No, Stacey, Stacey, the guy who plays Stacey Stacey from New York. And he like wears a beret and he's like, Mm -hmm.
3: you're 13. Cause he tries to take her to a club. Anyway, he died. RIP. My last one is a film that, Look, it is out. It is in the awards ceremonies. It's the name is popping up everywhere. However, I do feel like it's really being lost or people just don't know where to watch it. It's NIAD. It's streaming on Netflix. I'm so sorry to be like, watch on Netflix. But like Annette Bening, she's being nominated for Best Actor for this for everything, hopefully an Oscar. She's not winning. But it is a really entertaining watch. It stars Annette Bening as Naya, this like famous long distance swimmer. I wasn't aware of this woman, a real woman. Uh, She was completely fixated on swimming between uh, Florida and Cuba or from Cuba to Florida. And she has to give up when she is in like the prime of her life, essentially as a athlete. And then in her sixties returns to it and is like completely and utterly obsessed and fixated on this goal, which seems completely unsurmountable. Mm. And so this film follows those journeys as like an older woman. Uh, and she, her, she brings along her coach, who is like one of her best friends played by Jodie Foster. And they are just two like less athletic lesbians in their sixties, late fifties, sixties. And Ooh, whatever. And um they're not together, they're just friends. And just seeing that these like friendly, athletic lesbians of a particular age is just so beautiful you never get to see it on screen like Mm. you never see this on screen unless Mm. it's like one of them's having some steamy romance with like a 24 year old or whatever like that is the only time you get to see that so Mm -hmm. it's just or they're like an aging and then finally they get married once marriage equality comes in hooray like that is what we see of like that era of lesbian anyway it's not a very well directed film Okay. I will say there okay. are lots of flourishes in it that I was not on board with. Okay. <laughs> However, it is like a good sort of goal oriented <laughs> fitness film for the new year. But like just seeing Annette Benning, like, you know, without any makeup on and like the swimming goggles just like mm. burned into her face, like mm. that tan you get from mm-hmm. wearing, oh my God. And like her lips just like blistering constantly and then Jodie Foster wearing like disgusting cargo shorts with like gross belts and like big keychains and like wraparound sunglasses and just like the easiest to manage hair. Uh Like there's just such easy to manage hair in this movie. I just, I know those women and you can just see Jodie Foster's character like getting on to like an Olivia cruise at some point in the summer I just uh, I live for those women it's carabiner culture it is carabiner culture and uh it will send you into a complete and utter wiki hole after you watch the film my favorite yeah don't do that before the film don't read up on nyad okay watch the film then read the wikipedia and then you will be reading like many reddits etc okay I can't wait yeah it's like a full it's like a Full week plan, this film.
4: You really showed some restraint not saying athlesbian every time <laughs> you described <laughs> the bad. Looks. My bad. That's going to be my 2024 athlesbian culture. I'm so excited. My last one is something I'm kind of equally as um, enthusiastic about. The new Waxahachie single, "Right Back To It. I'm so excited for a new era of Waxahachie. Her first, it's her first single from her new album Tiger's Blood, which is going to be out I think in March. It features MJ Lenderman who is in Australia playing at Golden Plains in March. And I like I was not a historically a uh, Waxahatchi fan until she for lack of a better phrase went country with Saint Cloud which came out in 2020 and that album Like I was about to mention one song in particular, but like there are like five songs on that album that like truly transport me to like the most emotional states I have ever been in, in 2020. Like I have a real visceral memory of like that being my lockdown soundtrack, but also it's one of the few albums from that year that I like need to return to regularly. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. And so I'm so excited for a new,
3: new Katie Crutchfield, baby i got to have a listen. Yeah. i got to
4: yeah. have a spin. You'll love
3: it. Hey, our live show is very soon, BL. It's so soon. It is so soon. We're doing see also alfresco at the Mont House Outdoor Stage on Saturday the 3rd of February. It starts 8 p.m., doors at 7. You want to get there a bit early to get some cocktails, some spritzes, some whatever you're drinking uh, ready to go as the sun sets.
4: It's going to be gorge. It's going to be gorge. We're going to be chatting to Stella Mosgawa and Courtney Barnett, and we really hope that we'll see you there. The code to get a discounted ticket is see also alfresco, one word. And if you're a member of the Hog Hive over on Patreon, we'll, you'll get a special discounted code, a further discount for being a member of our Hog Hive.
3: Yeah, which also leads me to go and follow us at Patreon. We've got lots of bonus episodes out already. Thanks as always
4: to Samuel Hodge for our artwork, Harvey Sutherland for our theme music. You can follow us on Instagram, see also podcast, and we'll see you next week. We will see you next week. I think we're talking Priscilla next week. Oh my God, it's Priscilla time, baby. It's a lottie time. It's been a friggin' time we've been waiting. Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.